It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States podcast. Hi, I'm Bale Musitz, and today I will be recording this podcast solo. I'm actually recording this on Paradox, our 2009 Hunter 45 Dexalon. This is our podcast about sailing and cruising the East Coast of the United States. Today, I'm going to go over some projects that I've been working on since putting Paradox back into the water this year. And on one of them, I'll tell you, was a major screw-up. So Paradox has been in the water for three weeks now, and this is actually my third trip to the boat. The boat is in Barrington, Rhode Island, and I live in upstate New York. So it's about a three-and-a-half-hour drive for me to get here. Thus, typically, I usually come down to the boat for three or four days at a time. Last trip, my wife Elaine was also here. This trip, I'm doing solo. I will say we've been having lots of fog this early season here on Narragansett Bay. It usually burns off by late morning, and we have had two very nice sails so far this season. One of them was with my wife Elaine. And on the other sail, my son, his wife, and their one-year-old daughter also joined us. You know, it's always wonderful to go sailing with family. We all get along really well, so it's always a pleasure to hang out together on Paradox. You know, I did want to go over some projects I've been working on, and also my one big embarrassing screw-up. I will save the screw-up for last, though. So you're going to have to wait till the end of the episode to get that one. Uh, you know, when we returned to Paradox uh, for our second visit, that was my wife and I were here a week ago, I noticed that the floorboards near the galley sink were damp. This is unusual because Paradox is very dry inside, especially since I fixed the windows. Uh, we have these big windows on a deck salon. And in one of my previous episodes, I talked about how I fixed those and resealed them. And ever since then, the bilge is bone dry on this boat. I get no water intrusion at all. So this was really strange. All this kind of damp floorboards around the galley sink. And I remembered that on my first trip to the boat, you know, when I kind of dewinterize things, uh, I run lots of water through the water tanks to get all of the winter antifreeze washed out. So I typically run the sinks uh, and the sink faucets for about an hour or so. So lots of water is going through the system and down through the drain. When I found the damp, wet floorboards, I looked around the sink drains and the supply side, uh, and I saw nothing. I didn't see any leaks. Uh, I did pull up uh, some of the surrounding floorboards to get them nice and dry. And on Paradox, this is really a, quite an easy job. 
as the floorboards are just held in place with a few, a few screws so you can lift them right off. And that, of course, makes it easy to get to the uh, underneath the floorboards where on every sailboat, there's all sorts of stuff under there. There's electrical wires, there's hoses, there's holding tanks, there's water tanks, there's all sorts of stuff under there. So I really appreciate the way they designed that so I can lift those up really easy. I lifted them all up um, and got everything nice and dried out. Um, and, you know, when we were leaving the boat, I checked the, the drain connections again and because I didn't see any new water. There was kind of no new water coming in while we were on the boat for, I think, three days. And uh, But I did notice that the you know, I have, we have a double sink on the boat and that the two sinks are connected to a common drain underneath the, uh, underneath the sink. And I discovered that these connections were not snug. So I sort of hand tightened them. They have little flanges on them. They're meant to be hand tightened. And I think uh, there's three connections down there and two of them were sort of, I could make them snugger. So I did. And uh, I, I hand tightened them and we left the boat. And when I came back this time, uh, I brought some plumber's putty with me and some other things. So if I had to uh, redo those seals that I could. And, uh, you know, when I, so I was thinking, well, gee, maybe it's, it was the drains because that's the only thing I think of. And so when I arrived uh, to the boat this time, uh, what I did was I kept the sink drain seacock closed and I filled the sink and the drain lines with water, filled them right to the top. And uh, I waited about an hour. And so this now means, you know, the sink is full of water, all the drains down to and the piping and the connections down through to the through hull are all full of water and um, not a drop of water. So. I think that uh, my tightening up those connections underneath the sink solved my leaking problem. So we'll see. I've been here two and a half days now, <clears throat> and I haven't noticed any water or dampness around the sink or any place else. You know, and I, and I will say that I, when I leave the boat, I close all of my through-hull seacocks, and it's just part of the many standard things that I do when I leave the boat. I actually have a written checklist that I keep on the navigation table and I go over it every time uh, that I leave the boat. And I tell you, I came up with this written checklist because two years ago, uh, when I was driving home uh, from being on the boat for a while, I remembered that I left a forward hatch open. So lesson learned, uh, I made a checklist. And it's an evolving checklist because I often think of things and add it and, and sort of modify it. And the checklist is also nice because when my son uses the boat, he doesn't use it as much as I do. It's a helpful tool for him as well. So that's a, that's a good thing to have. If you don't have those types of things, maybe you don't need them. But for me, uh, it's I find it to be very, very helpful. So let's see. Oh, another project that we did besides fixing this leak um, is replacing the deck light. So I have a deck light that's about halfway up the mast. Um, and I also wanted to run a spinnaker halyard. So uh, in order to do that, you got to go up the mast. So up the mast we went. 
And what I mean by we is I hoisted my son up the mast. Uh, one of the great benefits of having children who love the outdoors and do a bit of rock climbing is that they don't mind going up the mast. And this, I will say, is our first excursion up the mast. Uh, this deck light has been burned out ever since we got the boat. Well, I think it's burned out. I didn't know if it was burned out or if it was an electrical problem. Um, but there's a, a deck light about halfway up the mast, and it sort of illuminates the deck. It's very helpful at night uh, if you're out sailing or if you're even at the dock and you need to go forward to check on something or whatever. Uh, it gives you great light. So I wanted to get that light working. Uh, so to get Andy up the mast, Andy, my son, uh, here's what we did. He put on his climbing harness. So he's a rock climber or an indoor gym rock climber, I should say. Uh, we put on his uh, climbing harness as a backup. And then uh, I also have a very nice bosun's chair that came with the boat. And it's got several really nice big pockets, and it's you know much more comfortable for sitting in for a long period of time than hanging by a, a climbing harness. So we put that bosun's chair on Andy as well as sort of the primary. And um, then what we did is um, we tied the jib halyard to the bosun's chair, uh, and we used that as the primary lifting line and i tied the topping lift that i have as sort of the backup and we took the jib halyard and we hooked that up to an electric winch i have on the cabin top uh, in the cockpit and then i hooked the topping lift up to a manual winch that i have in the cabin top uh, that's accessible from the cockpit and both of these go through uh line stoppers. So you can keep the line stopper closed, which is basically a one-way valve for a line. You can pull the line in one direction, but it can't go in the other direction. So you can pull them up, but it won't let, won't let it go down unless you release this stopper. So we had them all set. And I will say that having that uh, jib halyard hooked up to the electric winch, uh, made it really nice to sort of lift him up. Uh, that was just push the button and zip, he went up. And on the other winch, I just took in the slack manually. So uh, that really made that easy. So hoisted him right up to the top of the mast. Um, and he looked over, you know, the electrical connections up there, the light bulbs, all the fittings, the pins, the cotter pins, the stays, et cetera. And we sort of inspected the mast from top to bottom. Now, neither one of us is a professional rigger, uh, but you know, you can sort of look for gross things that are bad. And, and sometimes you'll see things that you say, oh my gosh, this thing's halfway out because a cotter pin fell out or something. And uh, you can kind of take care of those things, but everything, everything looked really good. Um, and on this boat, there's a, a place for a spinnaker halyard and uh, it wasn't installed on the boat when we got it but it did have a messenger line already threaded through the mast so i had bought a a, a line uh, to serve as a halyard and uh, we tied that uh, new line to the end of the messenger line and pulled this new spinnaker halyard up through the mast and this went nice and smooth we had no hang-ups it didn't jam any place inside the inside the mask because that's sort of what you worry about and then you're stuck but all that went went very 
nice and smooth. So that was good. So we got a spinnaker halyard installed uh, onto the, the mast. And it, it also serves as sort of an extra line uh, for lifting up uh, an extra halyard for lifting up a dinghy or something like that, because I don't have a spinnaker. But, you know, even for hoisting Andy up, I had to use my jib halyard and my topping lift. So I had to disconnect stuff in order to, to lift anything up. Uh, but in this case, with this spare, I call it a spinnaker halyard, uh, it'll just be there at the side of the mast and, and we can use it for, for lifting all sorts of things. And as I mentioned before, uh, Paradox has a deck light. It's about halfway up the mast, sits just below the radar. And, you know, it, it's a purpose is to light up the deck at night and it's really good. And it's never really worked. And I didn't know if it was a wiring problem or if the light bulb was burned out. So when Andy went up the mast, <clears throat> he took with him a voltage meter, uh, one of the many pockets on that nice bosun's chair we have. And he did some measurements up there. And uh, we determined that the light bulb was uh, burned out. So he pulled the light bulb out. Uh, I ordered a new one. And uh, next time Andy is here at the boat, uh, I'll send them back up uh, to install the new bulb, and uh, hopefully we'll have a, a working deck light because we checked all the electrical connections and we did have electricity. We'd had 12 volts up there at the connections in the mast. Uh, so that was really good. So now on to my big screw up, what you all been waiting for. Uh, boy, this is embarrassing. So you know, when I purchased Paradox, it came with 25 feet of anchor chain. And I felt that this was not sufficient for my needs. I, 25 feet seemed really kind of short to me. I mean, it had it had 200 feet of road, uh, of nylon line road, but the chain wasn't 25 feet, I thought was, for me, kind of short. If you're just going out for lunch, which is, I think, how the former owner used the boat, I don't think they did any overnight anchorages. Uh, 25 feet's probably fine. I wanted a little bit more. So I wanted to get at least 100 feet of chain. And I'll attach that to the 200 feet of uh, the nylon anchor road that's already there. And I thought that would work for me. So Paradox has a Lumar V2 anchor windlass. And uh, the Gypsy, on the, which is a part of the windlass, and that's the part the chain winds around. And it's the part that actually, as it spins, it raises and lowers the anchor chain. And there's a number or a code that's stamped onto the gypsy, which tells you what size chain it's designed for. And the code on our Lumar V2 anchor windlass is 002. So I was able to find that. And, uh, you know, the, the chain needs to be matched to the gypsy. Uh, because if it doesn't, the chain will either skip uh, or it could possibly jam uh, when you're, particularly when it's under tension. So uh, you got to get the right size chain for the right size gypsy. So it's important to get the size properly. So armed with the 002 code uh, for the Lumar V2 gypsy, uh, last summer, I got on the internet and I looked at the Lumar website and I looked at other sources. And after having way overthought this and, and spending probably, you know, a good 10 hours, I convinced myself that a 3.8 G4 anchor chain was the proper size. It turns out chain comes in all sorts of different sizes. 
And what's made for windlasses is typically a, a G4, and that's some sort of specification uh, for dimensions. And the three eighths is the size. So there's you know half inch, there's quarter inch, there's five sixteenths, G4 for all of those. Uh, and that's a certain set of dimensions that are standardized. Uh, so I convinced myself it needs a three eighths G4. Hint number one that I was screwing up <laughs> was that Paradox came with 25 feet of 5 sixteenths G4, not 3 eighths G4. But lo and behold, you know, I convinced myself, well, maybe, you know, the boat was bought from a dealer and they just put the, you know, cheapest chain they could on there. Who knows how I convinced myself, but I did. Uh, and so that was hint number one. I, but I will say in my defense, the Lumar site was very confusing. They had a table there for, you know, a V2 windlass with 002 code. And it said it recommends a 10 millimeter DIN DIN 766 chain. That's a metric standard for anchor chain. Or a 3.8 Campbell S4. Again, it's a specification. Uh, and I'm saying, oh, well, that's kind of weird. And I couldn't find that kind of chain. I couldn't find any 10 millimeter chain. I couldn't find any 3.8 Campbell S4. Um, and it didn't mention 5.16. So I'm thinking, hmm, so what do I do now? So I contacted a few anchor chain suppliers and they said 3.8 G4, which is what I ended up buying, should work as it is close to 10 millimeter DIN 766, and it's also very close to 3.8 Campbell S4. Keyword here being should. Well, I ordered 100 feet of ACO, which is a brand, A-C-C-L, uh, 3.8 galvanized, hot dip galvanized G4 anchor chain. I did that last late last summer. I installed it last fall, just before the end of the season. Uh, it looked a bit loose on there when I, you know, wrapped it around the gypsy. And I said, mm, you know, suspicion number hint number two. <laughs> That's probably not proper, uh, not the proper size. But it went up and down at the dock. Okay, you know, I sort of dumped it down at the marina here, and it went up and down. And you know, it looked good. But I must confess. I, I sort of had a feeling that I did not buy the proper size anchor chain. I just had that sort of sinking feeling. I didn't think too much about it over the winter. I did sort of get back on websites and try to confirm or unconfirm that if I bought the proper size or not. But I, I again, I got mixed data. Uh, I just might probably not looking at the right places, I guess. Uh, but I will say that last fall, I did go out once and anchor. Uh, I think we went out for lunch and we dropped anchor for lunch and the anchor went down fine with the three H chain. So that was good. And when I was retrieving it, you know, that's when the anchor chains a bit under more load and sure enough, it skipped and uh, it, it jammed a little bit and I just reversed it in the other direction and unjammed. So no big deal, but uh, another sinking feeling, you know, it shouldn't be skipping uh, because it's not like the, uh, the boat's been used a lot by the previous owner. I'm just the second owner of the boat, so it's not like the 
the gypsy is worn out. Sometimes chain, the proper size chain will skip uh, because the gypsy is worn out, which happens over time if you anchor a lot and, and use it a lot. But that's certainly not the case here. So sinking feeling again, eh, boy, I, I don't think I got the right, right chain. But like I said, I went home. Uh, I sort of lamented over it and uh, over the winter. And, um, you know, so be it. So last week, uh, last time I was here, I should say, yeah, it was last week. Uh, we went out with the family and uh, dropped the hook, uh, dropped the anchor for a little bit of lunch and went down fine. And Andy, my son, looked at the chain while it was going up and going down, I should say. Said, yeah, it looks all right. Went down nice and smooth. And we're bringing it up. Uh, we're done with lunch. We're retrieving the anchor. Again, it's under a little bit of tension. And sure enough, <clears throat> skips a tooth and it jams. Reversed it, unjammed nice and easy and was able to keep retrieving it, but clearly under tension uh, and not a lot of tension, you know, because you're not supposed to pull the boat with the anchor windlass. You're supposed to, you know, maneuver the boat with the engine uh, and just, you know, keep the, not use not use the windlass for towing your boat around. Uh, but regardless, clearly the the anchor chain is under tension when you're bringing it in. And it, like I said, it skipped and jammed again. So sure enough, I, I now got convinced that, okay, I, I bought the wrong size chain. And Andy had a great idea. He said, hey, dad, you know, maybe it's cheaper to get a new gypsy that's sized for 3 eighths chain than it is to buy a new chain. So when I got home from that trip, I looked into it, and this is when I was able to clearly see that they only made gypsies for my windlass in a quarter inch and five sixteenths inch chain sizes. They do not make a three eighths chain size gypsy for my winch. So clearly, I need five sixteenths inch chain because that's the gypsy that's on it. Uh, that's the 002 code. When I was looking for replacement gypsies, this is where I got clear data and information. Um, so I said, all right, I bit the bullet. I clearly purchased the wrong size chain. So last week I ordered 5 sixteenths uh, G4 chain. Uh, I ordered it from Defender, which is uh, in Connecticut. And it's sort of a little bit out of the way. Uh, to go there on the way to the boat, but I ordered it and I picked it up there because the ch chain weighs like 100 pounds. Um, so I went to pick it up on the way to the boat this, this trip and I installed it yesterday uh, and um, works great. Uh, it, it clearly fits properly when you look at it, particularly compared to the 3H chain. You can see it fits the gypsy like it should. So uh, hopefully this is probably solved now. So lesson learned. Right. I, you know, and I'll tell you, I do have a tendency uh, to think, uh, to overthink things. I overthought this one starting last summer for sure. And it's not unusual for me to overthink things. And, you know, most of the time, my original hunch is right. And the overthinking takes me down some rabbit hole that I end up regretting. Uh, so there it is, a big screw up. And I will say, if any of you need 100 feet of 3.8 G4 anchor chain, hot dip galvanized, Aco brand, 
It's really good stuff. I got a hundred feet for you at a really good price. <laughs> you got to come pick it up because uh, a hundred feet of the G, uh, the three eights weighs about 150 pounds. And uh, I will say uh, I, I used a pretty clever way of getting it on and off the boat. So I, you know, I'm not a bodybuilder. I can't lift 150 pounds. So I had three five gallon buckets and I put a third of the chain in one bucket, a third of the chain in another bucket, and a third of the chain in the third bucket. Now, all the buckets are still tied together with chain, and I could move the buckets, you know, a couple feet at a time down the side decks, and I was able to lift them off the boat and uh, get them up to the car. So uh, when you're moving heavy stuff, divide and conquer, and uh, that, that, worked, that worked really well for me. But uh, so if you need any anchor chain, uh, give me a contact me and I'll, I'll give you a really good deal on it. Um, so let me wrap this one up, I guess. Uh, yeah, Mike's busy. Uh, he's got a real busy time teaching right now over in Germany. So I just thought I'd get this episode out by myself. I hope you found uh, this episode interesting and thought provoking and uh, for me a little embarrassing. But hey, so be it. Uh, if you have any questions about what uh, I talked about, you know, you can get in touch with us. Uh, the email uh, is sailingtheeast, all one word, sailingtheeast at gmail.com. You know, and if you enjoyed the podcast, hit that follow button on your podcasting application. It really helps us. The more subscribers we get, the sort of higher up in the rankings it goes, and it's easier for other people to find us. Or if you know someone that would be a good guest for the show, uh, let me know. Uh, I'd love to uh, interview them and get them on uh, get them on the show. So until next time, signing off from Paradox here on Narragansett Bay. See you soon. Thank you for listening.